Hi, this is Melissa Wood Tepperberg, and this is the Move with Heart podcast. Are you ready? <laughs> Just breathe it all in. I want to talk. I can't lie. <laughs> I was like, it's going to be short, sweet, and very spicy. And we're going to get right into it because apparently some of you think I talk too much. <laughs> Get ready to feel so inspired by this conversation with Ben Nemton. He's just so inspirational. He's a motivational speaker. Him and his childhood friends started The Buried Life. And this is a list of a hundred things to do before you die. It sounds kind of like, wait, what? We want to talk about that. But he really just breaks it down in the most eye-opening way for you to realize how you're living your life, if you're really doing the things that you are meant to do on this earth. I loved this conversation and I really left it feeling so fueled and inspired myself to get on stage. Are you ready? I mean, you're a pro. We're, this we're, is like we're ready. This is we're just excited. another day for you. No, this is this is big time. We're here with you. I'm so excited to have you here. And you flew in last night, like. Of course, yeah. This is I. I I'm excited to be here. You are. Yeah. Good. I'm so happy to have you. And you know, I was thinking about it because I think Instagram and social media can be such. It can just crowd the brain. And I started following you recently, which I'm like, where have you been? Like, how have I not been following you all this time? But you just, like, to me, following people like you is like the greatness of social media and what makes it so powerful and motivational. And and to me, that's what it is. And I really try to use it as that tool of like having people in my orbit that like lift me up. And you, I feel like you've rattled me. We were Mm. just talking about this (laughs) off camera and I'm like, you've got me thinking more. And Mm. it's just, it's really great to have you. Thank you. That's so nice of you to say. And that means a lot because you don't know who you impact uh, really, unless someone tells you that you've impacted them and to impact you, who you impact so many people. And I had no idea. And so that's, I mean, I think it can get almost exhausting to continue to put out content when you don't get the responses from people in person, you get messages, but you just don't, you don't really connect with that. So for you to say that, that means a lot. So thank you. I mean it. What is, what is your relationship to social media? I am just getting to the point where I f- am beginning to feel like myself on social. My goal for the last couple of years has been to feel comfortable being fully myself online. Mm-hmm. And I'm not there yet, but I'm, I'm getting there. And I think it's less draining for me when I'm able to be myself versus overthink who I should be and what I want to post. And if if I can just have no filter and just be, and really that's what I'm trying to do in my life is to be truer to myself. I've sort of realized this whole journey of beginning the bucket list in 2006, it's been this journey of self-discovery and becoming closer and more true to who I authentically am because that's when life starts to happen for me and that's when 
I'm happier and I have more fun and I'm more successful. And I realized that in 2006, I got really depressed when I was in university because I was living the dream, but I wasn't living my dream. And my list was the first time that I'd written down the things that I truly wanted. And it was liberating because I, for the first time in my life, I not only wrote down what I wanted, but I talked about what I wanted. And then my friends and I started to go after those things and I started to feel more alive. And so this journey has been this long road of self-discovery and my bucket list is a mirror of all the things that make me who I am and make me feel more alive and give me energy and bring me joy. And so my definition of a bucket list has gone from skydive, bungee jump, travel to Europe, which is what most people think of, to anything that makes me more myself, makes me feel more alive. And so that's why it's things like, could be anything from telling someone how I really feel to a relationship goal, to giving back. You know, So there's all these categories of life that I think are important to look at when you think about your bucket list to make sure you're reflecting those things that are important to you. Because ironically, those are the things that you end up regretting at the end of your life if you don't do them. So long way of answering. (laughs) No, I love it. Like I think if I can be who I truly am in all aspects of my life and social is probably the hardest. Why? Uh, Because I care what other people think. You do? (laughs) Yeah, I do. Yeah, I've always cared what other people think. And I think that that is what has driven me, but it also is my Achilles heel. And so I'm trying, and actively over the past couple of years, I've just tried to let go of that. And uh, and part of that means, you know, putting out things and not caring what the response is, you know? Like if you're recording a story or a video of yourself, mm-hmm. do you like critique it first? Are you like, oh, I don't know, should I, shouldn't I? Or are you just like, let it rip now? Yeah, I, I, I'm not quite at the let it rip stage. I'd like to be at the really? let it rip stage. Yeah, but I do critique it. I'm getting better. And honestly, I used to think that I couldn't show all of myself. Like I'm really- Tell I'm, us. I'm very weird. Like I'm like very, um, I'm super goofy. Like I'm just a, I'm an odd person. <laughs> and so like, I haven't quite gotten to the point where I feel like I can show that online, but I'm getting better. And eventually I'm going to be able to just be fully myself. And cause I have so much fun and I felt like for a while I needed to be the motivational person, mm. especially because I was talking with Fortune 500 companies. And I like look a lot younger than I am. And I had like people that had to take me seriously. So I had to put on like a suit jacket and make sure that I, you know, could be commanding authority on stage. And now I realize that, all right, I've done that work. I can just totally be myself. So that's what I'm trying to do. I love that. And I honestly think it's so endearing to hear that you feel that way. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's humbling. Like it's nice to hear, not nice to hear that you're feeling like you can't fully be yourself, but here it's like, you're a New York Times bestselling author. You are one of the greatest motivational speakers of our time. You've done how many keynote speeches? Over 600? Yeah. Well, actually, yeah. A thousand probably. A thousand. (laughs) Yeah. Like we're all always working Mm -hmm, on mm -hmm. our stuff. You know, like mm-hmm. there, it's so easy to like see someone like yourself. And by the way, I got like some of the goofy Ben before this. And it, <laughs> it's like, I love it. Like, it's so nice when you get to meet people off screen and see, see like the real 
them. And and I I've always really tried to be myself mm-hmm. online and it took me a while too. I mean, I was awful to myself when I would like watch videos and I would be like, oh God, no, like why am I speaking like that? And now mm-hmm. I just let it rip because yeah. it's what's helped me kind of get comfortable through the discomfort of putting myself out there really. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting and what really I think attracted me to you, well, first of all, you made me think mm-hmm. and you made me go deep within my stuff. And I think that you, you know, I'm like, how did I not follow you before? I'm like, I wasn't ready to follow you before. And you've been, you know, brought into my life literally on the explore page. Thank you. <laughs> Instagram. And Thank from you, Know Thyself podcast. That oh yeah. Incredible. Yeah. He's awesome. Massive fan of that podcast. But it's been this yeah, this real moment of like self-reflection and just looking at the things I've done and I'm so proud of. And it's like, but wait a second. Mm-hmm. There's this feeling, there's this thing, right? And that's where I'd love for you to take everyone back because, mm-hmm. you know, it's like we look at you and you're perfect. You're doing everything people dream of doing, but you were in college, you were living a life of shoulds, mm-hmm. it sounds like. Mm-hmm. And where did those emotions mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. anxiety and everything seep in? And I think because so many people are living in that place right now, mm-hmm. to like really bring us back there and walk us through that process mm-hmm. of getting yourself out. Because now look at where you are. Yeah. So the first thing I think it's just super important to, because this is small, but it's so important. So that, that, that little feeling that you have or had where you thought this inkling of something is not right, or I, there's something going on, but I don't know what it is. It's so important to try and listen and figure out what that is because subconsciously that is holding you back and maybe keeping you at the 75, 80% of your full self of your full expression and ultimately of your of your happiness. That's right where I am. Yeah, and that is a very normal place to be. And most people, I think, don't listen to that. But that is your body, your true self telling you, we are not in alignment somewhere. There's some part of my life that is inauthentic that we need to look at. Anytime I go through any type of depression, a big part of my life is not authentic, whether it's a relationship the work I'm doing or just the life I'm living, which was the first time in college where like like everything wasn't in alignment, but I didn't know who I was. And so when you go through that first mental health crisis, and I can't tell you how many people have come up and talked to me and been like, at 52 years old, I went through my first mental health crisis during COVID, you know, at 43 at, and you think that you're broken Mm -hmm. and you think that you've lost everything all the qualities that you had before, the person that you were, you feel like you are not that person anymore. And that's the hardest because what you don't realize is that you haven't lost those things. You just lost touch with those things and they haven't gone anywhere. And so that's the biggest thing that I've learned is that when you go through a dark time, you haven't lost anything. You're just not able to tap into that part of you, but you will. You just have to take small steps 
small positive steps in the right direction over time, slowly, you will start to feel better. So there's a lot of things that you can do and we can talk about that, but just to touch on that feeling, that Mm -hmm. inkling, I think is so important to pay attention to because it's uncomfortable to look at those things Mm -hmm. because it's not convenient. No. And it's not easy. But as you said, the discomfort on the other side of that is growth. And so for me, I was in university, as I said, like life was great on paper. I was on the national rugby team, which was like big in Canada. I always say it's like the third biggest sport behind hockey and hockey. So <laughs> like, it was like football in the South. I was playing rugby. I was, you know. I love rugby. Yeah, rugby was, it's a great sport. It's a, it's a super fun sport. But I put a lot of pressure on myself to succeed. And I put, and I was uh, at school, I had an academic scholarship. So I was like, you know, checking all the boxes. And I had missed a big kick in high school at the end of the championship game. And rugby meant so much to me personally, but also like socially, you know, and I really like wanted other people's, I just wanted them to think that I was worthwhile. Mm. And so I was like, okay, I can't miss a kick at the World Cup. Like that would, I would, be devastated. And so I worried about it. And I thought about it at night and I lost sleep. And then I got anxious. And then I, this lack of sleep, this anxiety, I started to get depressed and I never experienced it before. And all of a sudden I couldn't go to school. Did you miss the kick? So I didn't even, I didn't go to the world cup because I dropped out of school and I got dropped from the team because I couldn't go to practice. You couldn't get My anxiety stopped me from going to practice. I got crippled. I couldn't leave the house. Mm. I was totally just immobilized by this depression. Never experienced anything like it up to this point. A-type, happy-go-lucky guy, and all of a sudden I can't leave the house. My parents try everything, they, nothing helps, and they just make me go for a 15-minute walk every day. And so here I go from living this great life to feeling like I've lost everything, terrified because I don't know how dark the darkness can go, right? Like I'm just, I'm like, what is going on? My life is over. And thankfully, my friends literally pulled me out of the house, took me to a new town for the summer, the next summer to work with them in a new town. You know, like they they went and they're like, we're gonna go work in this new town. You're coming with us. Forced me to get a job. Forced me to start talking about what I was going through. Forced me to meet new people. And all of a sudden I'm talking about it And I'm realizing like, oh, my friends have been through stuff that's sort of similar. I'm not alone. I got a job. I'm feeling a little more confident. I end up getting a therapist. I meet new people. And this is the key. I start meeting new people. And I'm like, oh, these new people, they're like starting their own businesses. They're traveling. Like, I've never met kids like that. I realize these new kids, they're giving me energy. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, these like other friends I have, they sort of drain energy. But some people give energy. So I, I, after end of the end of that summer away, I'm like, I'm going to only surround myself with people that inspire me. That was my rule. I was like, that's it. And <laughs> I only had one friend that was inspiring and he was a filmmaker, like self-taught filmmaker, made movies of him and his friends. And I was like, I want to make a movie. And I called him up. I'm like, his name's Johnny. I'm like, Johnny, you make movies. I want to make a movie. Let's make a movie. He's like, I was just talking to my friend Dave about something like this. And I was like, hey, you call Dave, I'll call your older brother, Duncan. And four of us get together. This is 2006. And we're like, let's make a documentary. No idea what it's going to be about. And Johnny, at the time, gets assigned a poem in English class called The Buried Life, 
which is a 150-year-old poem. And he sends it to us. He's like, guys, this poet 150 years ago is talking about the same thing that we're talking about right now, which is we have all these things that we want to do, but we haven't done them because they're buried. And we get inspired, but then the day-to-day buries it. Mm. And it's a cycle of never doing the thing because life gets in the way and we push it. So he's like, if this guy talked about it 150 years ago, we're not the first people to feel like this. Let's call our film The Buried Life. Oh, it's so good. And we didn't even know what it was about yet, but we're like, this is what we'll call it. And then basically we made a list of all of our buried dreams, anything we'd ever wanted to do, but we pretended we had $100 million and we could do anything. So it was like everything from grow a mustache to plant a tree to go to space to cover Rolling Stone. (laughs) And they were like, all right, we're taking a two-week road trip and we're going to accomplish them all. (laughs) And then we're going to help other people do things on their list because we thought we're going to need help with our list. We better help other people. So we'll ask people what they're, we would ask them the question, what do you want to do before you die? And if we can help them, then we will. And we just big borrowed and stole to get this road trip off the ground in 2006, bored an RV, made a website, got a secondhand camera. And this is in Victoria, British Columbia, which is on Vancouver Island. And summer 2006, we hit the road. And as soon as we travel, unexpectedly people started talking about it and they heard about it. And then we, these emails started to come in through our website and people were like, I saw your list, like number eight, ride a bull. My uncle can get you on a bull ranch or get you on a bull, get on a hot, hot air balloon. My friend works for Remax. Like they want us to cross off all our list items and then they send us their dreams asking for our help. And so all of a sudden we're like, what's going on? We're getting all of these emails. People want us to cross everything off, national news. We're like, okay, this is not just a two-week road trip. We're doing it again next summer. We do it next summer. We go for two months. We buy an old bus. We fundraise to save money. And we go for two months down across the border. And again, crazy experiences, help other people. We realize that like that means more than doing these other list items. And this two-week road trip starts to last 10, 15 years. (laughs) And we just keep going. And all of a sudden, these big list items that we thought were totally impossible make a TV show, play basketball with Obama, have a beer with Prince Harry, they, they start to happen. And we just continue to go after these dreams and, and then ultimately realize like, whoa, there's like some big life lessons in this journey. That's what I wanted to ask you. And so that's when I started speaking by accident because <laughs> I did a TEDx talk and then someone saw it and they asked me to speak. And so that's when I... But we had, um, it was really the first time we'd ever been prescriptive. It was really important to us in the beginning. We never wanted to tell our friends how to live their life. We just wanted to show them how much fun it was and hopefully they get FOMO for life and just do it, right? And so that's why we would just ask the question, what do you want to do before you die? And for us, the thought of death sobered us up enough to think about life, right? Like by actually digesting our mortality, we thought, okay, we're going to die. That's about the only thing we can count on. What do we want to do with the time left? I think keeping death close to you is, is one of the most important things you can do to live a fulfilled life is to remember that you're not going to be here forever. I think that right there is what grabbed me. I believe grabs everyone from what you share, but it's this, this realization, right? Of the one thing that, is inevitably mm-hmm. happening to all of us mm-hmm. that I think none of us really want to think about because it's so scary. And it's 
had me thinking about a lot of things and the things you know, that I like spending my time doing and the things that I do because it's kind of become a part of the process. And I think, you know, to even bring it back, I have this question, it keeps coming up with your friends. So the the friends that pulled you out Mm -hmm. of the dark place. Mm -hmm. So do you feel like that dark place was internalized just because of what you were afraid everyone was thinking? I think it was a combination of things. It was, I put a lot of pressure on myself uh, outside of what I thought other people wanted for me, but I, for whatever reason, I've always just been the type of person that like wants to succeed and 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 has that drive. And I get to the point where my body shuts down if I don't listen to. Now I know. Okay, when I start to feel like that, I need to do things like sleep. I need to do things like exercise. I need to make sure I take time to be with people that I love to be around because that recharges me. I need to take breaks, you know, and. I'm still learning on how, what that balance is, but that was key. I, I think to just going through the metamorphosis of high school to college and into that real life is tricky. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have a coach or a loved one or a therapist to talk about what you're going through, to look at the things that you can't see, like those blind spots, it can be really, really hard. And so I didn't have that. And so once I did find that trusted kind of confidant, I was able to build my awareness, build my toolkit and and that type of thing. But the thing is, I really thought I lost it all, right? I know. And and I'm having a couple of conversations with friends lately who are going through a tough time. And I realized that I say the same thing to each friend, which is simply the thing that I mentioned before is, you are the same person. You have lost touch with these things that made you confident and gave you these abilities to be awesome, but they're still there. And so all you have to do is know that they're still there and that you're going through this for a reason. And this will teach you something that you probably need to know. And that's the last thing you want to hear when you feel like shit. Right. It's like, oh, but don't worry, this is all for a reason. Like, There's going to be a positive. Like, like go through it. Yeah, yeah, like fuck you. Like this is the worst. <laughs> and so, but if I look back, that is that is the truth. Like anytime I've hit a low, there's something that I need to look at. Like my body is, this is like a last resort. It's been like, yo, you need to listen up. Yeah. And so I know that that's the pattern that we go through. And so- Look, this is aside from the fact, like I think that there's there's mental illness where you have, you need to talk with a psychiatrist and you need a therapist and you need uh, sometimes medication. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing. no shame and there's no stigma. I think also a lot of people feel depressed because they are not being true to themselves and they are not living the life that is authentically aligned with who they are supposed to be. And that makes them feel suffocated, makes them feel repressed and depressed. And so sometimes you need to stop and look at, okay, what area of my life is, is, am I feeling, is this coming from? Is this feeling coming from? And I've had it in different areas of my life. Like in the beginning, it was everything, (laughs) Right. right? And what I realized is that buried life, what it was for me, it was creative expression. And creative expression is a pillar of wellness for me. I need to be able to express myself creatively. And this was a chance for me to have fun and do that with my friends and express that. And we were making this documentary. 
So I realized that's important. I need that type of creative expression because that's my true truth coming out. And then cut to 2015, we did the show, we did the book, we started a production company and we were making TV shows. And I was hating the work I was doing, like pitching shows, working with networks. I mean, it just was 99% of our ideas never came to fruition. And I was realized, well, I I guess I, I really don't like the work that I'm doing. And I started to get slide down. I was like, I got to change. And so that's when I shifted and I randomly got asked to speak and went on the speaking journey. Mm -hmm. I've had that experience in a relationship. I was in a very long relationship. and How many years? Seven years. Wow. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the relationship, I'm about halfway through, I started to realize it took me a long time to figure this out that I felt I wasn't able to be the full expression of myself in the relationship. And there were many other things that ultimately were not in alignment, but that was this feeling that I felt. And even when I would do my talks, I would feel this little like inkling in my stomach, be like, you're not really, like there's something, you're not being true. Like, cause there's this part of you that is actually not doing what you're telling people to do. And I was like, fuck. Mm. So did the work. We did a what, lot of What com- is it? What is the work? I want to hear. Well, first we, I was honest, which is the hardest. Mm-hmm. I'm having these thoughts or these feelings. So that's very hard. And then, then you need help. I talked with friends that I really trust. I talked with my therapist that I trust. We got a couples therapist and we started to work through it. And we you know, did a, went through this process of figuring out like there's this kind of gray cloud of doubt, it felt like, you know, you sort of, you're like, something's not right, Mm -hmm. but you can't even define what it is. The more you talk about, the more work you do, it becomes a little clearer what the actual issues are. And then you start to look at, well, is there a deeper root issue? And you realize, oh, there's actually like maybe two or three root issues that a lot of this is stemming from. So you get down to those root issues and then it's like, okay, now we know these are the things that are causing these, these problems. How many of these things can we change? And how many am I okay with not ever changing? This is so good. So then it's like, then you do the work and then you say, okay, let's do whatever, X number of months of therapy and let's work on these things, knowing that like by the end, if we feel like we've, I mean, this is the process we went to, I've only done this once, but, and then we tried to shift them. And the ones that didn't shift the end of the day, I realized I was like, okay, we've worked on this. These ones we've changed. These ones we haven't. I'm going to let go. I'm not going to try and change anymore. Am I good with this? Mm-hmm. And then that was the process and realizing that it was not aligned and it was super hard. And then afterwards, I felt like life felt like it used to feel before the relationship that I forgot how life felt, where things were in flow life started to happen for me. Big pieces of my life, like my dreams were starting to come together slowly, like continents coming back together. And same for her. You know, after a minute, once we got through the grief, it was, you know, her realizing too, like, okay, you're right. This wasn't right, you Mm -hmm. know? And then people would be like, oh, like, I'm sorry. And I'd be like, it's actually great. Like we say sorry for relationship. Now I say congratulations, first and foremost. If someone says, I've recently been through a separation, I say, congratulations. And I'm really 
I know how hard that is. And I'm really sorry you had to go through that, but good for you. Because most people don't separate because it's so hard. It's so hard. So hard. And then like, you know, there's so many complications and we didn't have kids, but there's like, there's all these things and it's part of life. You grow, you change and that's okay. There's no shame in it. So, um, but that was an area where I was, I was starting to feel that. Right. And so after that, I was like, okay, now rule number one, always be true to yourself. Trust your gut, trust your intuition. That's what's most important. And surround yourself with people that energize you to be that person. Do things in your life that energize you to be that person. And always make sure that you are following that true self. And it feels, it sounds so simple, but it's also been the most powerful thing for me that's changed my life. And I think that it is very hard to stay on course. And that's why I like things like a list because it keeps you accountable. It keeps you on course. These are the things that you've taken the time to sit down and think about. All right, this is what I want to do. This is important to me. And I need to make sure that I make a constant effort to be intentional, to take small steps towards these things every day or every week or what have you, or else they're going to get pushed under the rug because there's no deadlines for these goals. And we have deadlines for work and we have deadlines for life. And so if we don't create accountability around these things, we're just not going to do them. They're just going to continually get put off. And that's why 76% of people on their deathbed, they regret not living for them. They live for other people and they regret the things they didn't do, not the things they did. And this is the biggest problem that we're facing because this is the biggest regret we have as humans is I wish I wouldn't have lived for other people or what I thought I should have lived for or the life I thought I should have lived. I wish, wish I would have lived for me. Oh, it's so powerful. And just like everything in my body is like vibrating because just the way you articulate it is, and the way you share that story so vulnerably is just, it's real. It's like what so many people are facing and are so afraid of. I am the proudest member of Parsley Health. This is the first virtual and in-person medical practice with doctors that are trained to find and treat, this is the most important thing, the root cause of your conditions and your symptoms. I can tell you from going to Parsley since it opened that they care, they have hour-long sessions with their patients to really understand you, what you're going through, your personal needs, and then they create and cultivate a program and everything that you need that is specifically created for you. So whether you are dealing with autoimmune issues like Hashimoto's, arthritis, lupus, if you have digestive issues like IBS, SIBO, undiagnosed symptoms like bloating, irregular periods, which I have been talking a lot with my doctor about, fatigue, joint pain, and brain fog, hormonal imbalance symptoms. This is so important because I think as women, we think this is okay and we should just feel this way. And 
live with symptoms like fatigue, PMS, hair loss, low libido, and acne. We don't. And when you work with a doctor at Parsley Health, they give you so many holistic options to try on for yourself, to see what works for you. I have been working with my doctor on ways to boost my mood, to lower anxiety, fatigue, and insomnia. They also work with women for their fertility, pregnancy, postpartum, and menopause. They do everything and they do everything with so much care, you guys. I feel so supported as a patient of Parsley's that I'm so happy to share this incredible discount that they are offering. When you visit parsleyhealth.com to book a free membership consultation and you can find out how Parsley Health can help you feel better, if you are not eligible for in-network coverage with Parsley, use code MWH200 to save $200 on your membership. I love Parsley Health and cannot say enough incredible things about it. And I also love the founder, Robin Burzen. And I'm just so proud of what you created because you are changing so many lives like mine. I actually just had like a crazy, like, like bubble burst of just like, oh, wait a second of, you know, when I was in like my lowest place in my life, I literally, it's like, I can envision the bathroom floor. I'm on my knees, had an awful night. Um, I was suffering from an eating disorder, was just in a dark place. The sun was coming up. I'd partied all night, just Mm. bad, like dark, dark place. And I always go back to that place. And I'm like, you know, that was me. Like I was internal, internalizing my anxiety, my upbringing. It just, the trauma had really come in. But as you were talking, I'm like, no, I hit that point in my life because I wasn't doing anything that I was meant to be doing. Like I always thought that was like a low because of just things that you carry through life. And I'm like, no, wait, like it's, it's amazing. Like it's really, and it's so hard to even like think back to that place because it's so painful Mm -hmm. and it hurts. And you're just like, like you said, it's like, you literally don't think it could get worse. It's like, this is, this is it. It's over. And I'm actually just coming off from something horrific that happened to one of Noah's best friends last week who took his life. And it's just like, Life is so short. Mm-hmm. It's so precious and valuable. And like hearing you share these words, it's just like, how can we shake people? Like, how mm-hmm. can we wake people up? And, and you know, your message for me has, has made me just like tap into my work in a deeper way and just brought me back to like, okay, I love what I'm doing. I love these things, but what's this thing that I've been like teetering on? And, you know, I I mentioned to you about doing more motivational speaking, but like in a different way, like what is my way, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's been really profound. It's been this great reflection period. And 
I think it's like, it's literally meant to happen in this exact moment mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in my life. And I, I think a lot of people are going to be listening, being like, is he talking to me? <laughs> like, <laughs> you are, you're, you're talking to everyone right mm-hmm. now. And I'd love to really know how you take, how you take all of that, right? And you've turned it into, now you're speaking on, all of these stages and you're 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 now traveling the world doing all of this like how does it get from this point right of you recognize this relationship isn't working mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. so it, it opens up this flow but what is guiding you on the stage good question i uh, i think that sometimes and i'm guilty of this as well we lead with our head with what we think is the smart thing and the best thing. And I, there's definitely a part of this that's that where you, where you need to do that. But I, the more that I lead with by following energy, I think the more I feel like my potential continues to grow. So I try and do things that, that fuel me and energize me in most of my days. And I've sort of reframed, I've tried to reframe what my definition of success is because sometimes I get so caught up in doing mm-hmm. that I realize, wait, is this what I want? Because we're so, it's so ingrained in us to grow, 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 build, 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 do more, do more, do more, make more money, make more money. And it gets to the point where you've created this beast and you realize, wait, is this, is this success? Is this what I want? Like I have no time. I'm under stress. I don't have time to hang out with the people I really want to hang out with. I'm missing these things that I don't want to miss. So I'm trying to reorient, reorientate my my definition of success to be, you know, I'm excited when I get up in the morning. I've slept well throughout the night because if I sleep well, it means that I'm not stressed or anxious about anything. And throughout the day, I'm doing things that energize me and I'm having fun. That's basically it at this point, you know, there's, you know, I feel privileged to be able to have done the things that I've done in my life. And I understand, I know that everyone's journey is different. And I started this place from a place of privilege. And it's not about the successes for me. And I think that, you know, everyone's journey is different, but if you can just be able to stay true to the things that you truly want in your life, once you have your basic needs met, if you can protect time for that thing, even if it's just one hour a week or it's a weekend, a year that you go and you do a trip with your friends, but just time for you, I think that that is gonna allow you to show up for the people in your life better. It's gonna energize you to be the best version of yourself. And it's not selfish. It's actually service. And I think we think that it's selfish to do these things, to take care of ourselves, especially when we are in a position where we have so many people relying on us. And you really can't serve those people if you don't serve yourself. And these little things that we may minimize in our minds that are really important, you know, whether it's yoga class or learning an instrument, right? Or you know, maybe you want to just go on a walk by yourself every day. Those are 
vitally important to making you the person you need to be to serve the people around you. The most important. Yeah. And I think the other thing that's just because I do believe you're right, there's a lot of people that are struggling right now. And if you haven't gone through a dark time, and I literally had this conversation with a friend the other day because he went through an, the, the, there was just this, this series of events that were so hard to deal with. Mm-hmm. And he was at the, the, the lowest of the low. And now not only like maybe uh, two months later, he's coming out of it and now he's actually thriving and he can see why this happened. And he feels like he has this new life. And I was like, remember this, remember this because you will go through another dark time. But when you go through the next dark time, you're going to remember that you went through the shit and you, you came out. Mm-hmm. That's the process. Like you will come out of this and you just prove to yourself that you can do that. But when you hit it the first time, it's very scary because you haven't been through it before. It's kind of like, it's very different, but it's sort of analogous, like the creative process. You know the creative process when you create something? It's like, there's this moment when you are so overwhelmed, you have no idea what you're doing and you literally want to just throw in the towel. You're like, I can't do this. Like, this is absolute crap. I don't know what I'm doing. This is too much. I can't do it. I've been there many times. Right, because it's the same arc. Every time you create something, you go through this moment where you just, and then all of a sudden you start to see it and it starts to come together and then you've done it. That's, and then once you do that enough times, you realize, oh, this is just the process of creating something. Sort of same, when you go through these dark times, each time you go through, you learn something about yourself. You build your toolkit of habits, you know, you build your support system. You see the signs earlier next time so you don't get as dark, right? Because you're like, oh shit, I'm something, like I'm listening to my body. I need to, talk with somebody about this, or I need to sleep more. I need time on my own. I need to take a, take a break. And so they really are teachers. You know, they teach us so much about ourselves, just like a breakup teaches you so much about yourself. And so much. You come through the other side and you've, you're for, cause you're forced to look at these things and you're never forced to look at them. People are pushing them under. Yeah. And so in a way you can, it's, it's a blessing. Like I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if I w- didn't go through that depression. I might be playing, you know, <laughs> second tier rugby somewhere in <laughs> some obscure, you know, country in Europe <laughs> and like have like a herniated disc and just like come back <laughs> battered up and be like, oh, I guess I'm going to work at the bar. But, you know, I hit this major like, and had to, had to shift. So I think that it's like remembering that you haven't lost who you were, knowing that the road to recovery is brick by brick and you may not feel better doing these things that you just know are good for you, right? Like positive habits, you know it's good for you to exercise. You know it's good for you to talk about it with a loved one or a therapist, right? You know it's good for you to not stay in bed all day. You may not feel better after doing one exercise class or talking in one therapy session, you might actually feel worse but knowing that that's, you're laying the foundation of your recovery brick by brick and just every step, slowly incremental change, you will start to feel better. And doing things you know you, you used to give you joy, hanging out with people that you know, energize you, doing things you used to love, even if they don't bring you that joy, they will start to 
add up and you will you will be on your road to coming out of that funk. I mean, I I feel like this is my like my mission in life is this message, right? Mm-hmm. It's because you know, it's there's so much weight we all carry and there's just so much resistance to getting there. You know, I've been committed to the process for over a decade. And for me, it's like every day I wake up and I think people think because, you know, I meditate and I share workouts and I'm just like, you know, peacefully walking around. And I'm I'm like, no, this takes so much work for me to get myself there every single day. And the thing that I always say, and I say this a lot, even when I'm like guiding in a flow, is this process doesn't necessarily get easier, but you get stronger. Like you gain this internal strength that brings back that muscle memory. When you wake up in the morning, you're like, I don't want to do it. And you're like, but I've, but I'm going to feel better. And like holding on to that feeling is what, at least I know for me, gets me there every single day after all of these years is, is like really doing it, like doing the work. And I look at your life too. I, I, I feel like recently too, I'm just like, wow, you travel so much. Like you're on a plane, like you flew in last night. Mm-hmm. You're coming from Orlando. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting how people can just like know everything that you've done. <laughs> <laughs> I know you ate for dinner last night <laughs> and now you're, your suitcase is here and you're off to the next one. How are you with this schedule and in this space that you're in right now in your life? Mm-hmm creating that time for yourself? <laughs> You're like... <laughs> Good question. Well, or I'm, are I'm, you? I'm actively trying to cut down on travel so that I can create more space for it. The problem is I really love the act of speaking. I don't love the travel. I'm actually okay with it, but I don't love... I hate missing things. Right, like I, what? Like I miss my friend's wedding because oh. I spoke on a weekend last year and I was like, okay, no more weekend speaking engagements. You know, dinner parties, like being at home, the regular life stuff. So that, and now, and my body started to break down from the travel after last year. Like it was like getting, I was getting physical reactions from the travel. And so I, I started to focus on different things. Like I started to focus on uh, working with a doctor that would look at like, what are the imbalances in your life and how can we make sure that you stay healthy? So supplements, exercise, sleep. That's why I have the aura ring because like tracking H- yeah. HRV and heartbeat and sleep. And that's been a game changer. I have one too. I do love them because I, I actually thought I wouldn't like it, but it actually keeps me accountable because I can see the impact that a drink has or if I don't go to bed early enough or if I don't have enough sleep, I can actually see. And so it becomes kind of like a game. Mm-hmm. And so I just, on the road, I'm like, okay, one, I got to get eight, eight hours of sleep. Two, I have to work out every two days. Even if it's five, 10 minutes in my hotel room, I'm going to do it. I always say that some minutes are better than no minutes. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) You know, and I bring some supplements. I have like, I like athletic greens. I I take myself out for dates. So I go, like I take myself out to a nice restaurant. (laughs) You sit by yourself. I sit by myself. I get like a filet mignon (laughs) and maybe I'll watch something on my iPhone or call a friend or just be by myself. But do girls come up to you? Girls go no. Well, not if I'm like have my phone in my face. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And so I just try and make sure that I'm 
vigilant with those habits uh, and, and, and now trying to cut down on the travel. Yeah. Do you meditate? Yeah. TM. Okay. Every day? Not every day, but I do definitely use it as a tool for sleep. So my parents, like my mom was pretty great. She was like, okay, for me, before I die, you have to learn how to meditate. And I had to do landmark for him back like when I was 19. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I did that. And then, uh, and I was like, this is stupid. <laughs> and then I started to realize that TM was really amazing. It's great. That's yeah. how I got started. Yeah. Was practicing that. Did you like landmark? Um, I did. I was pretty young. And, you know, I, I actually recently did Hoffman process, which I loved. I really want to do that. It's amazing. Yeah. That's that's on it. my list. Yeah. You've I am not a list person. I don't know it's not that I don't I think I get really overwhelmed by lists and goals. Like mm-hmm. if you ask me a goal, I'm like, I like shut down. I'm like, I have to stay in the present. I but I'm like very big manifester and in, like I envision things. So for me, I really, like, I think of it as like my desires, like my deepest desires. I don't know what it is about the language. Like, you know, people will ask me all the time. They're like, how are you so disciplined? I'm like, I'm not disciplined. I'm consistent. I think it's coming from having an eating disorder, being so rigid. Things had to be like one way, recovering perfectionists around here, that there is something that triggers me with language. However... I've been making a list. (laughs) (laughs) Of desires. (laughs) Of desires. That is exactly what I wrote on the top, deepest desires. And it's been, have you heard this before? I mean, I'm sure you have, but why is it challenging to write your deepest desires? Like I have some, we have some similar ones, but I'm like, I know there's more. Why aren't I able to access that right now? I don't think it's a muscle that we often use, you know, really thinking about the our true desires, probably because it's 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 hard to almost face those because once you have them in front of you, then you know whether you're doing them or not, or what you have to do. And oftentimes they're gonna be things that are that are gonna be hard to do and they're gonna take um, a lot of courage and you're gonna have to move through a lot of fear. So I think that's why it's sometimes hard to dig them up. Like they're very, they're buried really deeply. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Because I'm like, you know, I literally did a solo episode on building something from nothing, right? And it's like, it's so interesting to go back to that place of like, I never believed in myself and like going through them and then kind of, you know, like, the other day we were all in office and I, and I walk in and I'm like, I start counting the heads and I'm like, I can't believe this is like my team and I can't mm-hmm. believe I built this. And I think there is this misconception when you see certain people, like that's why I think hearing you in the beginning say that you're still feeling challenged with sharing your real self on social, that it's You know, for me, I think this has been this moment of like, wait a minute, am I not in touch fully with the things? Am I am I afraid that I won't that I won't achieve them? But it's been racking my freaking brain. (laughs) I mean, another thing too is that there's, you know, I think that there's some part of this where you could also be living the life that you really want and that you are 
actively doing that. And so I think the goal is to get to the place where you don't need a list because intuitively you're just following your, your true self. And so that also could be part of it. There is some of that in there. Yeah. Because I mean, everything that you've created came from that true place, but then, you know, inevitably it turns into this other thing. And so it's like, okay, is this still the truth of what I want? Or has it become something that is different? You know, the tricky part is like when you build a business, it becomes like turning a passion into a business is if there's a double-edged sword. It's like, yes, I get to do what I love every day, but at the end of the day, now it's also a business. So I, it's about Managing. building, scaling, hiring, making money, and all these things, which are the antithesis to your passion. Yeah. <laughs> and doing that. So it's just, it's a balance. But like when you feel the feeling, like when does it come? Like what you know, what does it come up as? I mean, last night when I, I, I always love to, you know, of course, like I only have guests on that I'm super inspired by, or I want to sit and I'm like, you know, I'm so busy. I can, I don't even have time for all of the people in my life, but like these moments I really value. And I, I don't take this for granted that I have your time and this energy to be here with you. So you know, there's something about like the night before a guest and I love to just like dive in and watch all the TED Talks and I've watched all of your talks, but I was like, okay, let's make the list. <laughs> and I wrote a couple things down and I just felt like, I was like, what else? <laughs> like, Actually, I do. So what else? <laughs> yeah, so I, I've, I've experienced that before. And so this is kind of why I laid out the bucket list journal, how I did is because you there's these 10 categories of life. So you think about, you've got adventure travel, but then you also have, what do you want to learn? Intellectual. You have relationships. One of the top five regrets of the dying is I wish I would have stayed in contact with friends. So that's crazy that that's a regret that people just don't stay in touch with their friends. And then they're like, at the end of life, they're like, shit, like I should have called Jimmy. <laughs> right? like, I know. You know? And so there's like, a whole area of your life where what relationships are important to you because you need to invest in those. That takes time and energy, so you have to be intentional. Could also be your partner, your relationship mm -hmm. with your, your partner because maybe there's something that you want to deepen there. And so you look at all of your relationships. Then there's creativity, which is like, well, maybe this thing that you love, your passion has become a business and you need to find other ways to creatively express yourself where there's no monetary value tied to it. So you just mm. get to be the full expression. So there's that. Then there's mental health, the things that just are recharging, physical health. And there's financial, professional. Material is also like, material is tricky because it's, it's okay just to like get things because they make you happy. You just gotta make sure that you're not doing them to make other people think that you're happy, right? Mm -hmm. You're doing them for you, not to look good. So in the bucket list journal, which the I have, process. and I can't wait to open. So I'm, oh, good. Oh, then this is perfect. Because I'm like, diving in on because Thursday. Because what you do tomorrow. is you then you break down the list writing process because it is overwhelming just to look at a blank page and be like, okay, what's everything I've been so I want? Overwhelmed. To do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You should use the journal. I'm going because to. like you write your list in those ten categories, and then in every category there's prompts. So it's like here are examples. Here's my favorite list item in that category. And then you start to go category by category writing your list. And that's how you build your list. So you think about these areas of your life that you may not be thinking about because just they're not typically things you think about when you think about a bucket list. Uh, it's true. So 
that's yeah, do that and then let me know because actually I, I think it's gonna work. I, it is. I feel less overwhelmed and I can breathe deeper, which is always just like a really great sign yeah. that I'm like back in yeah, my body. Steady, yeah. <laughs> so here's like okay. So this is I think important because if someone's like, okay, I feel stuck, or they're like, okay, I have these things that I want to do. Like now, what do I do? How do I achieve these things? And so the bucket list journal is a great tool to guide you through this process, but you don't need the bucket list journal. You can go to writeyourlist.com, look at the 10 categories, use them as a guide. If you don't want to get the journal, write your list in a book or in a journal. Because you don't want to write on a piece of paper or on an app. Like it's got to be, this is going to be where your dreams live forever. This is where you're going to update them over time because as you grow, your dreams also evolve and grow with you. Mm. Like the things that we put on the list in 2006, I don't want to do those anymore. Streak a field and get away, (laughs) No, like <laughs> ask out Megan Fox. No, like <laughs> crash the Playboy Mansion. Definitely not. Like it's all these things. But at the time, like those. Did things you I ask out to... Megan Fox? I actually <laughs> choked. <laughs> I tried to, and I snuck on the red carpet at the Transformers premiere <laughs> in a with a microphone to the press area with a microphone that was the cord was tucked into my pocket. And I took the Us Weekly slot and they didn't show up. And so I was waiting there and she came down the line and I had this moment. I had to, my friend as a camera guy. And I was like, oh my God, oh my gosh, she's coming up. And she came to me and she said, hello. And I said, hey, my name is Ben. And she said, my first boyfriend's name was Ben. And I was like, uh, yeah, yeah. and I fucking, cho- I froze. I, I, and then I started talking with her and I was we had a good rapport and then the publicist <laughs> pulled her away. She's like, who are you? Like, who is this person? Like, nope. And I had a chance and I didn't ask her out and I failed. <laughs> but redemption, <laughs> next year, this list item was ask out the girl of your dreams. So that was the girl of my dreams at the time. Duncan's girl of his dreams was Taylor Swift. So next year, he's like, I'm asking Taylor Swift. I'm not going to blow it like you. So we knew she was going to be at the CMT, Country Music Awards, CMAs or whatever. Mm-hmm. So we dressed up Duncan in all white and created this fake persona for him called Boone McCaw. <laughs> so he was a fake country music star. I dressed up like his, I was like his roadie in all black with a headset. Dave was Patagonia, his drummer, or no, his guitarist with like a fake mustache. So we had to get in disguise, got a chariot, a white horse and chariot. <laughs> we tweeted out for Buried Life fans to come to the corner of the awards and we gave them like... We made these covers of Country Music Magazine with Duncan's face on it and I Heart Boone shirts, everything. So we're like, when you see the white horse, come around, go nuts. So I'm running along. It's like this white horse and chariot there inside, Dave and Duncan. All these people that see the horse chariot, they start screaming. Police are like, all right, go through, through the barricade, all the way up to the red carpet, on the red carpet. And then one of the publicists at the the Country Music Awards like saw us and recognized us and was like, buried life, no. Kicked us out. So we didn't ask Taylor out. Our next chapter was we were like, I stuck in the back and and I was able to get like two free, um, no, like Kid Rock had like press passes. So here's the trick. If you ever want to get in anywhere, just wear all black, get a clipboard and a walkie-talkie. You basically can go in any venue in the back. (laughs) So like went in, got these passes. I was like part of Kids Rock crew. Yeah, two passes, gave it to Duncan. He got an all black, went in the back, went right up to Taylor Swift in the front row of the awards passed her a note, said, hey, it took me a lot to get here. Please read this note. And the note was like explaining what he had done to get in and asked her on a date. And she texted him and they went on a date. (laughs) That didn't last long, but (laughs) there's probably a song out there about him. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. So, so anyways, point is like, there's like, you know, of those original 100, crossed off 96 of those original, but like, it's almost ceremonial at this point, like still going after some of those things, but your list will evolve as you evolve. Mm-hmm. That's why you want to write it in a journal. So let's skip this. Let's focus here for a sec. <laughs> okay. Write your list down. Why is it important to write your list? Because you take something that doesn't exist, you make it real. Mm-hmm. That creates accountability. All of a sudden, you are breathing life into your dreams. You have a reminder they exist. As you get buried by the day-to-day, you come back to your list. It points you in the direction that you want to go. It's the first easiest step is to write your goals down. So you can start to write them down in those 10 categories. And then the next thing you want to do is you want to talk about it. You want to share these goals. Share them with your friends, share them with your family, share them with people you don't know. Because the only way that we cross things off our list is through the help of other people. And people can't help you unless you share. But the reason we don't talk about our list is because of fear. Fear of what other people think or fear of failure is the biggest barrier that stops us from pursuing these personal dreams, these hobbies, these goals, these passions, whatever you call them, these desires. So we need to move through the fear to share them. And we give other people the opportunity to help when we do that, but we also build accountability because then we feel accountable to the people we share them with, right? Like if I tell you my goal, I am going to write a book next year. That's my goal. And I bump into you when you're in LA and you're like, Hey, how's the book coming? I'm like, shit, I better start writing that book. Like, So you start to build accountability by sharing them. And the next thing is to be intentional about taking very small steps towards that thing. And eventually you will surprise yourself just like you've surprised yourself by what you've built here. All of a sudden you're like, Oh shit, I can't believe I built this because you don't know what's possible until you're actually doing it. Ain't that the truth? And so those are the three things you can do that are very simple, right? You you write it down, you share it, you take small intentional steps towards that thing. And they're easy steps. You start to build momentum. The first step is always the hardest. You want to create the momentum and you you build this, this energy. And so- what we're trying to solve for is we're trying to get through these barriers. One is fear, right? So the fear of what other people think or the fear of failure. So we can look at that quickly. The fear of what other people think is a very common fear. I think it's important to understand that you don't ever conquer these fears, really. You know that they're part and parcel in doing something that's important to you. So you're comfortable with being uncomfortable, but you're never gonna be ready and not have the fear. But you know that that's a part of the process. This is like a tax you pay to do anything that means something to you. This is a net positive. That discomfort means that you're actually growing. So knowing that, you're like, okay, I'm scared, but I know that this is forcing me to learn something about myself. Even if I fail, at least I learned something. And failure, usually just a pivot in the right direction. So that's the fear of failure, the fear of what other people think the truth is people just aren't thinking about you as much as you think they are. Like they're just like, <laughs> nobody cares. Like nobody cares. Nobody cares. They're thinking about their own shit all the time. They're also more supportive than you think. So you can sort of just get over that one a little bit. I will tell you though, that a lot of people are thinking about you because when I 
posted that you were coming on, I had so many girls be like, he's my future husband. He doesn't know it. I was like, <laughs> I have to tell him this. Like there was like the community was there was like an uproar. That's that's wow, that's I feel <laughs> something. Well, just <laughs> that's no. amazing. I was like, hit him up. Like Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you for saying that. And I don't really have a non sequitur to get on. <laughs> I'm just going to keep going. Uh, the other thing that stops us is that there's no accountability. And so you write down your goals to be accountable. You share your goals to be accountable. You get an accountability buddy. Someone that can check in on you or someone that you can send regular updates with or someone that you can do it with. That's why it's great to write your list with a partner or with a friend. You know, it's like you, you find these goals that you can do together. You don't want to train. They're at your doorstep you're going training, right? So that accountability is huge. And the last is you're usually waiting to feel inspired to go after these things. And you're like, you know what? I'm not going to do it. I don't quite feel inspired to do it. I'm waiting for the right time. I'm waiting for the perfect time. And you wait and you wait and you wait. And then you're out of time and you die. (laughs) I mean, it sounds like crazy, but it's true. It's true. And so, so you have to create your own inspiration through action. So by taking small steps towards your goal, even if you don't know how you're going to achieve that end result, those initial small steps start to build inspiration. So you're actually the architect of your own inspiration through action. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Like I, I, love, I love that Rich Roll, he says, mood follows action. And that's true. It's true. I love Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic. This is a plant-based prebiotic and probiotic with 24 strain that has been clinically and scientifically studied for its benefits. This is free from 14 classes of allergens. So important here. So if you are sugar-free, vegan, soy-free, sesame-free, gluten-free, peanut-free, dairy-free, shellfish-free, and corn-free, this has definitely got you covered. There are no binders, no preservatives. I've been taking this since it came out. I take two capsules once a day on an empty stomach in the morning with water 30 minutes before my first meal, or you can take it two hours after your last meal. I personally prefer it in the morning because it just has become a part of my daily routine. I have it stacked. I know that I do it. I check it off the list and then it's done. And I just have to tell you that the benefits of Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic are the digestive health. This makes your digestive health just move with more ease. It promotes digestive health to support healthy regularity and ease of bloating. It reinforces healthy stool hydration and ease of evacuation. And you know what? I know that we may not always want to talk about that, but it is so important and something that we all need to talk about. We have a 30% off code for you. You can visit seed.com slash MWH30 and use code MWH30 to redeem 30% off your first month of Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic. That's seed.com slash MWH30 and use code MWH30. I'm not always like the most motivated person, but I go back to my habits. Like I 
become motivated through the following through of doing the things, the simple steps that help me find that daily motivation within myself. That's huge. That's, Mm -hmm. we should play that again. Because like (laughs) that is the key. It's finding motivation through the habits. You never, oftentimes you don't feel like doing it, but you know that by doing it, you're going to feel better or you're going to be inspired or X, Y, Z. Like you just know that they're, they're good for you or that you're going to figure out a way to get inspired by doing it, right? And the thing is too, like you don't have to put so much pressure on these things. All you're doing is you're just trying it to see if it gives you energy. This is an experiment. You're just collecting mm-hmm. data. So you don't have to put so much weight on this thing that you want to do. Just look at it like an experiment. I'm going to try it. And if I like it, I'm going to keep doing it. If it gives me energy, I'm going to keep doing it. If it makes me feel more alive, I'm going to keep doing it. If not, I'm not going to do it. Great. It's not a failure. You just succeeded. You you tried it. Now you don't have to regret not doing that thing because you can at the end of your life be like, oh yeah, no, I tried it. I didn't like it. Like even if you try and it's a huge fail, at least you can lay on your deathbed, look back and say, I tried it and I failed. (laughs) (laughs) At least I did it, not tried. I don't have to live with the what if because that is the thing that haunts you. And there's this amazing quote that rattled me by an inspirational thought leader. He's also a legendary speaker named Les Brown. Mm -hmm. And he's like, okay, imagine you're on your deathbed I actually don't know if it's on your deathbed or in your deathbed. Are you in it or are you on it? Oh, I <laughs> think it, you're in it. Maybe you're both. It depends <laughs> if how hot you are. <laughs> yeah. If you're cold, you're in it. Uh, you're on your deathbed. I'd be on my deathbed because I sleep warm. That's why I have a eight sleep. <laughs> are you hot? It's a little hot. It's a little hot, yeah, but yeah. it's okay. I run warm. We bake our guests. Yeah, you bake. <laughs> Sit in the hot seat. So, okay, you're on your deathbed. And these ghosts start to come to the side of your bed. And they're the ghosts of the dreams you never acted on, right? The ideas you had, but you never did. The things that you wanted to do, but you never pursued. The gifts that you had, but you never unlocked, right? They all, all these ghosts come to you and they're like, yo, we came to you when you were alive. And only you, had the power to bring us to life and you didn't. And now we come back to you to die with you forever. Mm. Haunting. Brutal. Yeah. So like no one should have that feeling. No one should have those deep regrets because really what I believe, and I think this is why you're doing what you're doing and you can see it in people, everyone has gifts that only they have. And I believe you have a responsibility to act on those things for the greater good because they are only things that you can do. And by you having the courage to act on those, you unlock them and you unlock your greatest impact. And you also, I believe, unlock your happiness and your potential. But if you don't, they die with you forever. And no one else can unlock those. Only you have the power to do that. And that's how you create your ripple effect, right? And so part of it is like, we have this responsibility to act on these things, not only for our future self, 
but for the people around us. And I actually really believe that if more people did what they love, the world would be a better place. And it may sound trite, but it's the simple fact that when you do what you love, you inspire other people to do what they love. And that ripple effect goes far beyond what you'll ever know. And if I look at my journey, you know, and I, and I, and I see people that maybe were inspired by the television show to do their thing, like this whole community of creators that were in high school that saw buried life. And then now they're doing their thing. And I think, well, I actually don't think that we inspired them because we were inspired by a friend, a friend that in high school started a clothing line. And he started this clothing line out of nowhere. And I was so shocked by someone I knew had created something so cool. And I was like, dude, how did you do that? I've never seen anyone do something like this. You just made this clothing line? And he was like, yeah, I just did it. I'm like, well, how'd you do it? He's like, well, what do you mean? I just, I just did it. And I thought, well, if, if he did that, I wonder what I could do. And I was like, I want to make a movie. And I called up Johnny. This clothing line wasn't successful. It, for all objective perspectives, it was a failure. But if he would not have started this clothing line, we wouldn't have started Buried Life. People that were inspired would not have been inspired. And these people have gone on to inspire many more people than we have. This huge ripple effect, right? From this one kid that decided to act on this little dream that you would think, well, it didn't really do much. But just by acting on it, he inspired, by the way, all four of us, the four founders of Buried Life, we all got inspired by this guy individually, separately. And so that is the proof that one person can create an incredible impact just by doing what they love. And I think that anyone has the ability to create that ripple and you don't know what it, it's going to be. You don't know the extent of it, but by being true to yourself and following those things, you are reverberating out and it's inspiring other people to think, wow, you know, if he did that or if she did that, I, I wonder what I could do. And, uh, and that's what we want. We want more people doing that and, 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 and doing what they love. Oh, it just like ignites a fire inside of me. I'm just like so fired up. It's so true. And I, just like you, like this is, where I, like my bubble just burst of feeling inspired. And I think you really are just defining radical possibility for all of us and helping us see, you know, for for myself, it's like, I thought everything was impossible and in realizing our potential and putting it down on paper and actually doing these things every single day that get us there. It's it's, oh, this stuff gets me going. I love it. I live for it. <laughs> you are the best. This is literally, you're the best. I, I need to do this more often. <laughs> this is great. I would love to know, and I think there's so many people out there who want to do more speaking engagements or are mm. so terrified mm. of doing it. And for me right now with planning a few things, like what's your process? Do you, like when you're booked to speak, um, do you pick the topic? I mean, sometimes it, you know someone will have you come in yeah. because of something they're inspired by what you spoke. But do you go in with like an arc? Is it like this is my intro yeah. and yeah. conclusion? Give, yeah, it, so I give at, it to us. I, I look at my keynote as like a play, so it's almost or you know like a like it's a piece of art, 
right? So what I'm trying to do is bring people through this series of emotions so that they come out the other side, much like a film changed. And in that, I then customize parts of it so that it resonates with the audience so that they know that I know what they do, what their challenges, what the goals they're trying to achieve, you know, and the impact they make and all of these things. But really the big goal is to connect so that they trust what I'm saying. Mm. So how do you connect? Well, you're vulnerable. I share that I've been through a couple depressions. I share, um, how else do you connect? Laughter. I try and make them laugh, right? And this is great because like, it's just like me being myself. I, the thing that I've realized, it's coming back to being tr- uh, yourself, right? And the speakers I really uh, respond to the most is the ones I think are the exact same on stage as they are off stage. No different. And so I try and be as authentically myself. And that just takes time. Mm-hmm. Just like it's going to take time to be myself on social. Just like it probably took you time to be yourself with video. It's just a muscle. The more you do it, the better you get. And so it's going to feel weird. It's going to feel awkward. But that's, again, the discomfort that you're learning and you're getting more comfortable. The goal is to be yourself on stage. My goal. I think anybody's goal, really, if they're going to resonate, is to be themselves so that you connect. Because you're going to connect with someone better if you just are truly there and present with them and yourself, just like you would connect with them one-on-one. So I try and be like I would one-on-one on stage. And so, you know, there's, that's the connection. And then it's, it's, you know, also entertain. People are there because they want to show, they want to be entertained. So you got to make it fun, make it entertaining, you know, bring them through the range of emotions, laughter, hopefully, you know, crying. And within that, you're sprinkling in these takeaways that you believe are the most important takeaways you can give to someone that you've accrued in your lifetime. So I look at like, if I was on my deathbed and someone, my son or daughter, who's not around right now, because I don't have a son or daughter, but they came up to me and they were like, dad, like you're about to die. Like, What are the three things that, that, that you can tell us before you die? It's like, that's the level of truth you need to be portraying or conveying on stage. So you have all these ideas, whittle them down to the core truths. What are the unfuckable with ideas that you can then insert into your through line? So you have all these nuggets of wisdom and you have your story and it's how can you insert these nuggets into the arc of your story in a very authentic, seamless way. And and through that, you're connecting through being vulnerable, through laughter, through emotion. And you're trying to be yourself and you're trying to have fun, right? Because you can't have fun if you're not you're like yourself. And that, and I feel like the, the X factor of speaking is the energy. Mm-hmm. And so if you're able to be yourself and have that energy, then you are really going to connect with the audience. And that's this sort of like special sauce that is hard to conjure up, but you can feel it. And so- and it just takes time. It just takes practice. And you got to do it a lot and you got to move through the discomfort. But, you know, the more you do it, the better you become. Mm-hmm. And uh, for those that get energy from doing that, it's an amazing experience because you get to see people change real time. Mm-hmm. Whereas a social, you don't. You just like, you know, I have to like 
travel to New York to like hear your experience of how <laughs> I impacted you. It's like, that's not convenient. Right. <laughs> but it's like, you can actually see people change and then you feel it too. So you, 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 you get energized by that, which is really pretty cool. So I do think it's like the best job in the world. I mean, you just broke that down. I've spoken to so many people in this space, but the way you just simplified that, because it was, it's simply like, I literally, book the venue, we're doing it. Remember that? It's on my list. (laughs) I'll be there. So we can cross, oh. I'm there. Okay, done. We had an event last year where, you know, I've been teaching digitally. That's where I started. I I never like started in a class or as a trainer. It was always online. So when we put on this event, there were 300 people. And, you know, that was the most people I had spoken in front of. I left hot. Like I was like, I am meant Mm -hmm. to be on a stage Mm -hmm. with a mic. Mm -hmm. And that's just like, I come to life. Like it's something comes over me where it's just where I'm meant to be. So thank you for that. I selfishly, but also a lot of people ask me this tip on speaking. And I think you just gave, you gave me so much. You've, I'm sure you gave so much to a lot of people listening. So thank you for that. So this thing that you've been thinking about that you haven't been able to find this like inkling of a feeling. This is what it is. Maybe (laughs) this is what it is. I feel like it's speaking. It is. It is. So did you know that before? It's definitely it, but you know, it's interesting because when you were giving me such great advice online, like just over DM, for me, I was like, I don't necessarily, like, I don't see myself like traveling around a ton to speak. I'm like, it's it's like activation and and events that I want to put on. Mm -hmm. But I don't just want it to be me. So Mm -hmm. I've already started bringing like the arc of the event to life. And the way that you said that it's a play, it just something locked in for me. Because I was an actress before I got into this space. And I love that world. And I, I find it exciting, but it just like wasn't the passion. But for me, it's like taking that thing I loved, but making it. Yeah. Yeah. So this is important because like basically what you've done is like you identify the core root of the feeling, which is I want to speak in front of people. From there, there's no rules. Then it's like, follow the energy. Where What's the most exciting thing for you to think about when it comes to doing this thing? What's inspiring? What's inspiring is, oh, I want to create events, bring people in. Maybe it's like different types of speakers, you know, I want to do it like maybe once every quarter, like a bigger event instead of like, you know, and maybe we do it in, I only want to do it in New York or whatever. Like, But you then create it, but it's spawn. It has to continue to be true. But it, so you like follow this truth hole, right? Of like figuring out what it is and then you create it. So that's why you need to listen to that. But I'm also just like, what stopped you from saying that before? Was it that like, it was when I was talking about it that it sort of clicked and you're like, oh yeah, that's the version of that that I want? Or was there some other thing that stopped you from saying, I feel like this thing that, I, that's, that I'm not expressing or wanting to do is speaking? Was there anything else? I, I think there's something like you said before, like I want to be a motivational speaker. Like mm-hmm. saying that to myself is like, oh, 
well, I'm not that now, or this is that's important. This is, this, the thing this is for also me, very because important. Because I'm like, well, I am a motivational speaker. So this is the thing that stops anybody. Mel Robbins talks about this and starting. Oh, love and, Mel. And, yeah. And, She's and, on my list. Right. So Mel, <laughs> Mel is like Mel Robbins. It's fucking Mel Robbins. Mel She's Robbins. She's a G. When she, before she started her podcast, same thing, imposter I syndrome. I can't start a podcast. I'm too late. I know. There's already so many podcasts out there. And, and, and who are like, what do I have to say that's different than all these other people? You listen to her podcast with Jay Shetty. She talks about this exact same thing. You are always going to feel like that. You feel the same way. You know, I'm not, first of all, I, I, motivational speaker is such a funny, weird thing I know, for me I, to say. It's but, a, like, but, like, but it's the right idea. Like, it's like, you're going to feel like that. That's normal. So it's knowing that you probably felt like that when you started the podcast. You probably felt like that when you started making workout like you know videos and started from the very beginning being like, okay, there's other people that are doing this better than me. There always are going to be. Is not a, re- a reason to not do it. Is not a reason. You, you, you have to do it. And so it's figuring out like, what's that version of that that is the truest expression of yourself? And then you go from there. Mm. I listened to the to Mel the other day about talking about how she started when she was 52 and it was so inspiring. I need to know. So you've crossed off 96 things yeah. off your list. Can you share with the last last four, four are go to space, make a movie, the Buried Life documentary, cover of Rolling Stone, host Saturday Night Live. Ooh. Pretty sure those are the four. Okay. Go to space actively working on slash have, oh, I'll just say it. Okay, so we <laughs> signed an agreement to go to space in 2025, <laughs> yes. which is pretty exciting. Make a movie. As of a couple weeks ago, again, I, I haven't really talked about this, but we're very close to announcing something really exciting around the film. And uh, get on the cover of Rolling Stone. I was saying, it's funny, I just came. <laughs> from a lunch with with Jan Wenner, who's the founder of Rolling Stone, who, by the way, we met in 2007 in New York. Somehow we got a meeting with him for 15 minutes. And by the end of the meeting, at one point he threatened to kick us out. He asked his assistant for a knife to get us out of his office because he was like, and we, we, we stayed with him in a meeting for an hour. We had a great conversation. And we ended up meeting him in Sun Valley a couple winters in a row to ski with him, built a great relationship and he became like a mentor. He's, a, he, he's an incredible human being. He's met every famous person alive, basically, and dead. Like he's unbelievable, has the craziest stories. So I haven't seen him in almost like a decade. And so I just had lunch with him. And I was like, Jan, like, when are we getting on the cover? And I told him, I said, listen, Jan, work with us. Okay. <laughs> if you do a cover with a mosaic, right? Like hundreds of little photos making up a big image, let us be one of those little photos. That's a, we'll cross it off as a that technicality. Counts. That counts for sure. And so I think like Saturday Night Live, if I could do like the cowbell in the back of like the monologue or something like in the band, just be there. That would also cross off as a technicality. But I mean, yeah, these ones are just like fun to kind of think about and do, but space would be really cool. And the film is going to be like, I just the legacy piece. Like it's just like, would love to have that as a piece that people then, if you're looking for the feeling that like you were talking about, that spark, you can watch the film and you get it. Oh, so inspired. We have a lot of things, a lot of the same things on our list. Okay, we're wrapping it up. I could keep talking to you forever. I think this is the longest episode we've ever done. 
The team's like, yes. Um, okay, so just a few rapid-fire questions that yep. I always close with. What's your biggest motivation? This is not a very rapid answer. That's okay. My biggest motivation, I mean, it sounds weird, but it's it's me. It's me because I know that I am the only, I'm like where the rubber meets the road. It's just like, it has to be me. So I look back at what I have done as proof that I can do things that I didn't think I could do. And that fuels me. So yeah, I don't even know if I want to stand behind that answer, but that's my answer. I always say the same thing. Yeah. No one else has said that. That's cool. Yeah. I think I've never said important. that before. I've, that's never been my answer. But you just felt it. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. What's your, I mean, this, we just like to know this. Everyone likes to know this. Look at that skin. What's your end all, be all self-care ritual? Like what's your thing? <laughs> that's good. It could that's be good. Yeah, I working love, out. I, I love a spa moment. Like I love, <laughs> I love hot cold. Mm-hmm. I went to Japan over the Christmas break, onsens, you know, little Japanese robe, did hot, cold, you know. So I love spas, yeah. Mm-hmm. Last but not least, what does— I'm proud of you for using the cards, by the Thank way. Thank you. I've, aren't you so happy because I hold them on my lap? Just as like a like just-in case. Right. It's like your Oprah moment. But I'm like—she's also on my list. Yeah. <laughs> but it's—I always feel like in case something goes blank and I need a yeah. little— just a little support. Um, I know, and you, you think I would know these, but what does moving with heart mean to you? Moving with heart is moving, you know, authentically and true to yourself. So, you know, moving through life aligned and giving without expectation. So good. You are... Incredible. You're even better in person. I always love that when it's like, you just never know, you know, when you meet someone for the first time, but you've given me so much with the work that you share with sitting here with you today. And I'm just, I'm so grateful for your time, for everything you do. Don't stop. You're such a light, such a force. And I I feel, you know, you're helping us all connect to our thing in such a deeper, more impactful way. So thank you. Thank you so much. You've really fueled me. And thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been so much fun. I hope you enjoyed that episode. We have a special offer for our Move With Heart listeners. When you join MWH as a new member, you will receive an entire month that's 30 days for free. And this is in addition to our seven-day free trial. All you have to do is head to melissawoodhelp.com and use code MOVEWITHHEART. At MWH, we believe this practice is not just about building this body you desire. This work is about building a better, stronger relationship with yourself. And that is why we offer everything from movement, meditation, and nutrition to help you not only look, but most importantly, feel your best. Follow me on Instagram at Melissa Wood Tepperberg and MWH at Melissa Wood Health. Tune in for an all new episode next week. 
and I cannot wait to see you all on the mat.